Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been, I've been looking at this thing we're going to talk about today, and I don't really know how difficult it is to talk about. I think we make things difficult. We think we make things more and more difficult. All right, but we're talking about a great thing. Amen. We're talking about marriage, man. We're talking, that's an amazing thing, amen? Praise the Lord. You know what I'm talking about, right? These guys just got married not too long ago, man. Praise the Lord, amen? Hallelujah, man. Well, I, yeah, the men, you know exactly. It's not a big, you know, hardcore talk. Of it. Only when we do a little bit of what we're going to do today when we try to define a little bit about roles. All right? It can get a little crazy. But only if you make it crazy. All right? So... It's crazy. I think, uh, uh, well, uh, Emery was telling me, the uh, youngest member on our sermon prep team, she was telling, sharing that, that we, uh, we create, um, well, because we're, our, we're, we're, we're pursuing freedom. You know, when we talk about, you know, submitting and being subject to God and subject to different authorities and different things like that and mutual submission in our marriage, um, we resist because we think it, ha- it, it interferes with our freedom. When, uh, when in fact, that's not what it's doing at all. It actually creates more freedom. You know, being submissive to God just creates an amazing freedom. So praise the Lord, amen? So check this out, man. It has been said, all right? You may have heard this before. Maybe first time you're hearing it. It has just been, I'm not saying that this is absolute uh, God truth, but I think there's some hugeness here. If you would think about this, all right? Because... <clears throat> Uh, I just, okay, I'm just going to throw this out there. It's been said that the most important decisions that we'll make in our life, two most important decisions that we'll make in our life is number one, who you worship. Very important decision, wouldn't you say? Or what you worship. Because what or who we worship will really, really dictate the way we live. Amen. It just does, man. I mean, whether you know it or not, whether it's, you know, something you're doing on purpose or not, all right, whatever the case may be, who or what we worship will dictate the way we live and the way we actually treat others in this life, all right? So yes, number one, and I, believe, and I agree with this full heartedly, number one decision we'll ever make in life is who we worship. And I believe the second one is pretty darn, that's pretty spot on if you think about it. The number two <laughs> most important decision that we make in life is who we marry. And, 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 and you think about that, man, because some of you are like, man, I don't know about that. I ain't never getting married. All right? And so <clears throat> I just want you to think about it. Because who you marry is so usually important because that is where, you know, you decide that, that two stories are going to become one story. All right, two stories, one story that was lived in this, one story that was lived over in this and grew up in different households and just kind of learned things differently and some things the same and they had their own story and they've been rocking this story, man, for years and been rocking this story for years and all of a sudden, bam, the two stories become one story. You see, Jesus himself said, I mean, well, Jesus reiterated what God said from the beginning. He said that, that in the beginning, that a man will leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and the two will become what? What? Why? You, man, you guys are pretty good. I don't know, man, but two will become one, one flesh, one story. And so, and so we're going to be talking a little bit, you know, this week and next week about marriage and about our roles in marriage and stuff. And so it's important to actually even ask the question, just to begin off, why marriage? 
I mean, you know, we have all kinds of cultural reasons that we believe that we should be married, and I believe they're all grounded in Scripture because God's the one who instituted the first two human beings to be the first marriage, and so it's pretty crazy. So, so it's good to look to the Scriptures and find out why marriage. And do you know that God's first reason for marriage, okay, check this out. You remember, I don't know if you remember, man, that there was a bunch of dirt and he formed it in this thing and went, all right, and blew into this. Dude walked around going, whoa, what's going on? He blew life into this cat. His name was Adam. Next thing you know, he's alive. He was dirt. Felt like he needed to take a bath because, you know, when you were dirt, you got it. You know, anyways. So, uh, and he said everything God had made, he said everything he made, man, was good. Made light, made ground, made uh, plants, made animals. Good, 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 good. All right. Put man on the earth. It's good. And the first thing he said that was not good was that this cat was alone. He didn't say it like that. Yeah, it's not good this cat's alone. You know, I believe sometimes God talks like that. But anyways, um, he said the first thing that was not good was that he was alone. So he took a piece of him and created woman. He says, I want to I wanna make you know, somebody that is not just like him is that the last thing the guy needs? All right? We're always looking for somebody just like us. No, 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 no. Stop that. You're enough. All right? So we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that next week. All right? But check this out. <clears throat> so God, um, sorry, I just hit my head a little bit ago and it makes me, everybody hears, everybody's like, <gasps> take his temperature. All right? No, I'm good. All right? Promise. All right? So, so anyways, um, uh, you know, he, so he made somebody that was, that, was, that was comparable, all right, and corresponding, letter of the words actually teach, all right, that is, that is not him, uh, that is, you know, and then he is not her, but together they can really, really make something cool, all right, and it's pretty amazing. That was the first reason. And if you look through the scriptures, you'll find other reasons. Another reason is that so we can have a household to raise godly children. Children who know the truth, man. And I'm telling you, man, there are so many lies everywhere you look, man. They, they're, they're, our kids need a foundation in the truth. And they need to get it, not from Sunday school, not from church. You know, the pieces come from church, may come from different classes and youth groups and stuff like that. But they need, it needs to be solidified as the foundation of their home. Amen? Amen? It just has to be. So the kids can actually know what is the difference, all right, between the truth and the lie. All right, and so, so we say, yeah, it was good that you know, the, the uh, marriage, we're not alone. We have a godly house and raise kids. Do you know that another reason, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Um, but no, it's in the scriptures. All right, another reason that we marry is so that we can have sex. All right, sorry, so throw it out there. How do you think we get the kids? Come on, all right? <laughs> the kids got to show up somehow, all right? So God created this, and some of you guys are going, <laughs> as I talk about this, but it's the real deal, man. All right, and, you know, the scriptures even say, Paul taught, I think in Corinthians somewhere, that it is better to marry than it is to burn with passion. All right? It's better to get married, and it's very, very important that we get married before we start just having all kinds of sex, man, because, you know what, it, it, we make the commitment, man. Make the commitment. What are you, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Make the commitment, man. Just say, you know what? I'm committed to you, and this, is this, and this is it, man. I'm telling you what. There is so much less emotional damage, spiritual damage, physical damage 
when we choose to go God's route, man, when we do things his way. And if just this side note, if you haven't, there is redemption. There is repentance. There is renewal. All right, so if you haven't, man, just come to the Lord and say, man, I haven't. He's like, I know, I was there. You were there? Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm telling you the truth, man. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, you know, um, and just, and God will give you renewal, man. Make that commitment. Strengthen up. Strengthen up, man. Another reason, and my favorite reason, my favorite reason, I love all those, okay? Um, They're great. Um, But also, one of my favorites is what Jesus, you know, kind of points to and reminds us, and Paul reiterates in the scriptures in Ephesians chapter 5, that it is a picture. It is the world's closest living picture that they'll be able to actually see what a relationship between Christ and, and his church looks like. That's what the scriptures teach, man. That we should be able to get a living picture of Christ and the church. And so if you're a worshiper, you need to know that the one you worship, if you worship Christ, loves marriage. But you also need to know this, that the enemy attacks most what the Lord loves most. Okay, The enemy attacks most what the Lord loves most. And so we're going to talk about a little bit, just kind of a, some, some framework, if you will, all right, in marriage and in these different roles all right, and, uh, that we have as, as husband and wife. All right, and we're going to go, and, and it's crazy because the scriptures, are, that's what I love about preaching through a book of the Bible is you can't skip nothing, all right? And so we're going to get, we're in, we're in, a, we're in a, a First Peter chapter 3, and it begins talking about the wives, well, talking to the wives first. Now, if you're a man here, man, you know what? Recognize, all right? So many times I, I notice this. When there's, a mar- when there, when there's, ser- when there's uh, sermons about men, the women are like, yeah, I know, all right? And when there's sermons about women, the dudes are like, come on. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, 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 no. What is God saying to you? All right? If you're a man here, then recognize that we're talking about God's daughters. (laughs) That freaks me out. (laughs) All right? I'm married to God's daughter. What? That's to trip you out, man. All right? So anyways, all right? So, so that's where we're going. And we're going to talk with ladies. We're going to talk to the ladies first. Now, I think this is pretty unique. And I think it's pretty awesome because culturally, we've created language around this. All right? And, you know, when we're, usually when we're talking about men and women, we actually go, you know, with male and female, we actually kind of, ha- you, you always have the dude first, right? It's always like, you know, we're male and female, um, boys and girls, uh, guys and dolls, if you're from I mean, that time, all right? Du- du- dudes and chicks, all right? Dudes and chicks, all right? Men and women, until you get to ladies, then what is it? Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies, hmm. What happened along the way? All right, because all of a sudden, ladies first. And I think it's pretty cool, all right, because I truly believe, and hopefully you men believe this as well, that a lady should always be first, and gentlemen should always make sure of it. Amen? I didn't hear a big enough men, amen. Men, amen? Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Just making sure we're tracking, man. All right. And I believe that there are more ladies here than you might think. 
Because I've heard some women say, I'm no lady. Wait a second, I believe God created you to be a lady. I truly believe this, man. I believe, I believe, and I wonder about this, some of you wives. I wonder if, if, if you knew that you were created to be a lady. And I wonder if, you know, because, because I know that maybe before you got married, you, maybe you were a woman who wished that a dream one day of being treated like a lady. And maybe before you were that woman who was dreaming of being treated like a lady, that maybe you were this little girl that had these dreams that were bigger than the planet, and they included you being recognized as a lady. Oh, I'm not going to do that, all right? They're recognized as you as a lady. I was almost going too far, all right? But I wonder if you knew that before all of it, that God wanted you to be his daughter first. Here's the thing, man. If you don't know who you are, all right, you're never going to understand what we're going to talk about here completely because you're hearing this through a filter that is a misunderstood identity and misunderstood purpose as a daughter of God. And so as we talk about the role of wife, I want to, I, I, I love what Alyssa Chile said. Alyssa Chile, she said this, and, and I think it's really, really spot on. And, and speaking actually into this scripture that we're going to talk about in First Peter, she says, identity in Christ informs your role. Identity in Christ informs your role. Your role does not form your identity. So your identity in Christ informs your role as a wife, as a mom, as a person, whatever the case may be. All right, your, 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 your role does not form your identity. Well, I'm a mom and this, no, I am a daughter of the king first. Amen. Amen. Women, you need to own that position. Don't just claim the title. We've been talking about that for a while. Don't just claim the title, own the position. I am a daughter of the king you need to own that, man, and allow that your identity in Christ to inform your role and not your role to form your identity. Before we get into this, I need to hit something really, really hard, and we'll probably talk more about this down the line, but I need to make sure that you know your value, that you know you're valued, and that you know you're valuable, that you know how valuable you are as a daughter of the king. I, I share this illustration, I share this often, and you probably heard me say this before, but if I had this you know, huge you know, two-carat diamond ring and it was worth, how much is a two-carat worth? <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Guys are like, well, I should know this. Women are like, oh, you should know this. Anyways, um, so, <laughs> or, yeah. so it's worth a lot, all right? But here's the thing, if I'm walking through the woods, man, and I, and I hit my ring on a tree, and the diamond falls off, and I get to where I'm going, and I realize I've lost it. How much is that diamond worth now? The same. It hasn't changed. It's still this valuable gem that is just a little lost. It, the, the value hasn't diminished whatsoever. It's still an, a, a very expensive diamond, all right? And so this is what I'm trying to tell you, ladies, all right? That, that, that maybe along the line, things have happened and you have been devalued. I am so sick of these little boys who call themselves men because they can shave now, all right? Devaluing women. And it's happening so much, man, that I'm just, I'm so, I'm so sick of it, that my sisters in Christ, that my daughters in Jesus, that my spiritual moms, all right, some of it's happening so much that they're expecting it. 
and even allowing themselves to be, to be devalued or even devaluing themselves. Let me remind you, let me remind you and maybe even tell you for the first time, all right, that your value is not defined by who you're with. Your value is not defined by who you want to be with, who you've been with, all right, who turned down being with you or who even may have forced themselves upon you. That is not where your, your value is determined. Your value is determined by your maker, your God, your king, your dad, hallelujah, and, then, and don't accept anything else. Let God validate your value. Amen? Amen. Let God validate your value. Amen. This is important. And understanding this crazy text that we're going to talk into. So let's pray. So Father, we just pray in the name of Christ Jesus. Lord God, help your daughters to hear you. And help your sons, help your sons listen. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And so in continuing, woof, got warm in there. So in continuing our journey through this crazy word that God has given us, all right, uh, called the book of First Peter, and this idea of we've been challenging faith for, for exiled people. Anyways, I'll, I'll remind you of that later. We don't got enough time for that. We're continuing. We're into chapter three. And he doesn't really switch gears. He's just continuing this thought. Because he just got through talking about how, you know, how crazy it is, but we need to be make careful to, uh, God has called us to submit to the governing authorities. To what limit? You know, to sin. If they, if they tell us to sin, you know, we'll do everything but, but, but sin. All right? And we'll agree. And we have, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that. And if you missed that, you know, go check out last week's sermon. It was pretty awesome. But he also talks about how Jesus was submissive. And even though he was being ridiculed and just and unjustly uh, condemned, by, um, or unjustly you know, you know, put on trial and all that junk, suffering, um, but he still submitted to it. And so there we have this, this word likewise to begin our scripture in First Peter chapter three verse one. It says likewise, wives. And next week, we'll begin, likewise, husbands. But so right now, just listen to this and just ask God, is there anything you're trying to tell me? As a wife, as a woman who hasn't been married, all right, as whatever the state of your, 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 your life is right now, as a man in the same situation, because this is a word for all of us. He says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. And what I think is important right here is to consider the context that this is being, first of all, when reading the scriptures, three very important questions, always ask yourself these questions as reading the text in front of you. Number one, uh, what did it mean then? What was going on then when this was written? Number two, what, did it, what does it mean today? How is this culturally relevant today? And number three, most importantly, what does it mean to me? Three great questions whenever reading or studying the, studying the Bible. 
And so in the context of this history right there, all right, in this culture, it was kind of unheard of, well, not kind of, it was definitely unheard of that a woman would choose a different faith than her husband. It was unheard of that a woman would choose a different faith than her husband. But because of the truth of Christ, it was, you know, you, you, there's, there's no denying it. Because this is Jesus, because this is the faith of the planet, this is the faith that, you know, that we recognize through this faith, we recognize that this is how the planet was formed. This is why we're here. And this is where we go from because of this. All right. It was an undeniable faith. And a lot of women at this time gave their lives to Christ before their husbands were even leaning in. And so for the first century woman, all right, they might have begun to have these, these, that have begun to follow Jesus, they might have had these questions. Well, what do I do? Do I leave my husband now because he's not a follower of Christ? Or, or, or do I change my behavior? Or do I assume a superior role in the house now because I know the truth? Or how can I win his soul? And this is where Peter says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. So he doesn't say, don't, he doesn't tell them to leave, all right? He says, so that if some who do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Now he's speaking to wives, but I will also preface that if there is abuse in the home, God never tells us to, 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 to subject ourselves to abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, all right? My first challenge to you is if there is abuse, get out and get help, all right? And dudes, I wasn't going to say this, but if you feel like you got to hit a woman, we got some men here, we'll put dresses on. Take your best shot, all right? Praise the Lord. And so he says, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that if by doing so, some will obey the word and they may be one without a word, willingly submit all right, what, she said, what he's saying here, and he says, think about this, because he says, likewise, he says, you know, Jesus was subject to what? And Jesus was subject to his parents as a kid. He was God, and is God, and he was yet subject to his parents. The Holy Spirit plays a very submissive role to the Trinity, to, the, to God the Father and God the Son, but yet is probably the most important and effective role that is working in and through our lives here today his, is, is, his, is the Holy Spirit. And so it's not much to say, you know what I mean? Jesus was submissive all the way to the cross and they just got through telling us Christians to be submissive, all right, to the governing authorities, short of sin. And so this command is not to, to should never be taken to imply an inferior personhood, all right, or inferior spirituality or even lesser importance. No, 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 no. But he, said, but, he, but he says to do this so that, you know, so that. There's a so that that's in here. Even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by their conduct, the conduct of their wives. And, and, and the best example I have of this um, a few years ago, a few years ago, a young lady asked to, um, to meet with me and talk about some, some things that are going on in her household with her husband who just decided it was time to just go out and do his thing and get caught up in stuff that wasn't glorifying and lifting up his wife and glorifying God and lifting his home up. And but a lot of times, you know, because, you know, he removed himself from the house and just went off and did all his stuff, right? And, and uh, a lot of women would have just said, okay, boom, peace. Have a good life, right? Well, this young lady wanted to come 
and she wanted to pray for him. And I was like, we'll pray for him, but we're also going to form a posse, all right? And we're going to go find this dude, and um, I want to break one of his legs. <laughs> In a loving pastoral way. Sheep used to, shepherds used to do this with sheep, all right? If you have a sheep that just keeps taking off, you go get it, break its leg, put it on your shoulders, nurse it back to health. That sheep ain't going nowhere anymore. <laughs> she didn't want to do that, so we kept praying. And, and, uh, and more prayer. And it wasn't like, and I, and I got their story because they, 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 the, the story's an unfinished story, but it's still, it's going strong. It's amazing. Um, but she would come and she would pray and she would just kind of just say, look at it, I just want to see God. I know God's going to do something. God was informing her, all right? Her, her identity was being informed by her relationship with Christ, all right? And so God was informing her to stay the course that he was going to do something. And she had great faith. And she didn't go preaching on her husband or calling him up or texting him, you know, all these different scriptures and stuff like that, a craziness, constant, constant, constant hammering with the word of God uh, to his own admission. He says, you know, that would have done no good anyways, because I wasn't trying to hear anything. But what won him over was her continual witness and steadfastness as a daughter of the king. Today, um, their marriage is pretty awesome. It's a pretty good example. They lead an awesome community group here at the church. All right. Uh, you know, she's actually started different, uh, has, has started different ministries here that have come and gone so far as, uh, you know, ministry to recovery, uh, to addicts of, uh, to families of addicts and stuff like that. And it's just been pretty amazing. And so God, God, God knows the whole story. All right. And here's what I know. It doesn't always work out this way. I get that. I understand because some of you guys are like, you know what, man? It didn't work out like that for me. You know, because some guys are just bent. You know, to just, you know, head the wrong way. Maybe they need to get broke. All right? But here's what I do know, that if, if God's daughter would just follow God and allow him to inform her role, no matter what, a husband coming home or, you know, getting right with God or never, you know, or, or no matter what, she is a daughter and going to be blessed in that position with God. That's why he says, when they see your respectful conduct and pure conduct, this idea of pure conduct is free from moral defilement. Basically, pure conduct, in my, in my opinion, is leadership. Now, God, many times over and over, and then you're looking at this because you're like thinking, okay, wait a second. You know, you look at this and you think, okay, you know, um, you know, submission, subjection, you know, whatever, you know, uh, just trying to be respectful and pure. <laughs> New water bottle is killing me. Anyways, um, we're like, and here's what I know is that a lot of times God, you know, <laughs> First of all, recognize this is not to make you small. All right? So women, when you read this, this is not, because people have, 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 com, have, have uh, confronted this scripture and says, oh, so God is gender, you know, has a, has a gender specific, you know, um, partiality to him. And it's, no, it's, it's, it's far from the truth. It's not to make women small and men bigger. 
All right, and we're gonna talk huge about this next week. Please do not miss next week. It is important, especially for you men. I know every woman will be here, all right? <laughs> you know, but anyways, all right, we're giving out money next week for all the men who show up, all right? So make sure you let that be known, all right? All right, so it's not to make you small, because God speaks big, all right, B- through big, through, 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 through gentle things. And I then think about this. He's been doing this for years. God doesn't often use the biggest gun, all right? He doesn't often use the strongest fighter, the best arguer, or even the loudest voice to declare his strength. All right, the very center of our faith, remember this, the very center of our faith is the death, burial, and resurrection of our great God and King, Jesus Christ. It's the center of our faith. It's the center of the universe. It's the center of everything. All right? And here's what's crazy. That morning when Jesus was getting up, how many men were at the tomb? None. None. None of them were there going, watch, he's going to get up. Here comes the sun. All right, five, four, three. No, nobody was doing that. Who was there? A few women. And the first people that Jesus talked to and told to go tell the men was these women. Go and tell them. I got up, just like I said I would. And they did. The first, one, one day Jesus was cruising along, right? And he came and kicked it by some well, all right? And, the, and, the, and this woman who came up there by herself who had had five broken marriages. Five times she tried. Five marriages, five times broken. She, he was, she was the first person that Jesus revealed exactly who he was. She was the first evangelist to her own people group that she sent to go and share the message. You know, I don't, I mean, I'm not thinking that, that this is to make you small. I wouldn't be here today if it were not for three very important women in my life. I would not be standing right here preaching the gospel as God called me, all right, if, if it were not for three very important women in my life. Number one, it was my mother who taught me and prepared my heart to be a loving heart. She, I tried not to be loving for a lot of years. And my mom kept preparing my heart by being the example of true love, unconditional love to a kid, man, that was just all over the map, that it would have been easier just to send him away. A second woman was the woman who prayed me to this pulpit, and that was my grandmother. Three words repeated over and over in my life changed my life. Jesus loves you. This woman never stopped telling me that. Debbie, my wife, had the strength a little over 25 years ago, 26 years ago, she had the strength to walk away from everything she knew as familiar, even left a state. She's the one who brought us to Arizona. She had the strength to walk away from everything that she knew and take our kids on this new journey because the man and the men in her life had failed her. If not for her strength, I literally would not be standing in this state today because I came chasing after her (laughs) because that's what God told me to do. There's strength 
And so many of you women here, and many of you don't even know it, but I would challenge you, those, those of you who are here, to pour into those young women. To pour into, and not just the ones who, it's easy to pour into, you know, as, as a woman to pour into another woman, all right? Or a man to pour into another man. As someone who's hungry for it, give, give, give. But, but you know, to go after those ones who just don't even recognize that call in their life. Man, just go after them. He goes on. And he gives us a little bit of instruction here. He says, don't let your adorning, your, your, your putting together of, of yourself, all right, your arranging of yourself. Sometimes you get up and you're like, oh, I need to arrange this, right? <laughs> I get that. All right, I get it. But he says, but, but don't let it be external. Some of your translations say to be merely external. He says, the braiding of your hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. He's not saying don't braid your hair. He's not saying don't put on gold jewelry. Some people go too far because if he was saying that, he would also say run around naked because he's talking about clothing that you wear. So, so, so yes, wear clothes. <laughs> and you can braid your hair and you can wear some gold if you want. But he says, don't let it be merely that. He says, but let your adorning be the person, the hidden person of the heart with, with the imperishable, the never ending, the eternal beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is in God's sight, which in God's sight is very precious. <clears throat> There's a lady, you guys may have heard of her, her name is Lupita Nyago. You guys ever seen her before? She played Nakia in the Black Panthers, pretty cool. All right, she played Severe Nakia. Lupita Nyago, all right, anyways, she's a movie star, she's an actress and stuff like that. Well, years ago, she was speaking at this uh, event in Hollywood. And there was a lot of young ladies there, and she was just sharing how growing up, she thought she would never be beautiful. This is what she said, and this is her own words. She said, I thought I would never be beautiful unless I could lighten up my skin. She admitted that she had prayed and even tried to bargain with God for lighter skin until her mom, totally supportive mom, all right, totally supported mom, told her, Lupita, you can't eat beauty. It doesn't feed you, she said. Her mom told her. And Lupita shared that after a lot of soul shirt searching, she said and realized that the beauty was not a thing that I can acquire or consume. It was something I just had to be. It's just something I had to be. Which is amazing. She said, what my mother meant by you can't eat beauty is you cannot rely on how you look to sustain you. She, she finishes with, 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 with what, what actually sustains us. What is fundamentally beautiful is compassion for yourself and for those around you. That kind of beauty inflames the heart and enchants the soul. And then she encourages the women in the audience. And she says, so you young girls, she says, I, I hope that you have a similar journey. Go to the deeper business of being beautiful inside. And let that beauty make its way out. He says, don't let your adorning 
be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle, quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands. And I will remind you, he is speaking of a mutual submission. We'll get more into that next week. I think a lot of times of, of, of uh, Jesus' mom, Mary. She was being told early on as Jesus was even a baby of who he was. And the scriptures say that she would ponder these things in her heart and yet still remain submissive to her husband in the relationship of husband and wife. I mean, if any woman could have said, wait a second, <laughs> my kid is God. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> right? But she, she didn't pull that card, man. She says, as Sarah, as, as Sarah obeyed Abram and called him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and don't fear anything that is frightening. He's not telling you that you have, this again, culturally, what did that mean back then compared to what it means today? He's not telling you you have to call your husband Lord. And you're like, good, because that wasn't happening. All right? <laughs> All right. But he's talking about the relationship. And if we let our identity in Christ inform our role and our role not form our identity, we will discover our role in Christ. Now I want to talk to you really quickly and then I want to give you something to do real quick here. There, 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 there's a mission for your marriage. When speaking of submission, you have to take these two words, sub and mission, that, are, that make this whole word. Sub meaning under, all right, or beneath or below or underneath, all right, this mission, mission. Right, so it's not telling you to be underneath or below or, or your, your husband, but he's actually telling you to be, challenging you to be um, below the mission, all right? And so I I wanted to share this really quickly. There is a mission for your marriage, and that mission is obeying and glorifying God. There's a mission for your marriage, and that mission is obeying and glorifying God. The wife says, I'm going to put myself under that mission. All right, that mission is more important than my individual desires. I'm not putting myself below my husband. I'm putting myself under the mission that God has for our marriage and our life. And he's telling you, husband, to put yourself under the same mission. Again, we'll pick that up next week. And so what are we going to do? Well, I, while recognizing that our identity in Christ informs our role and that your role does not form your identity. Ladies, I'd uh, like you to remind yourself of a few things. And men, remind and show the ladies these three things, that you believe these three things about them. Number one, you're a daughter of the king first before anything. You're a daughter of the king. The king of kings. Lord of lords. God almighty. You got that? I want you to remind yourself, even if you have to tell yourself, I am a daughter of the king. 
and my king, my God, my father in heaven. And some of us have poor father figures and it's hard to relate this to. I get this sometimes. All right, but my king, my father, my God in heaven, all right, is going to inform my role as a wife, as a mom, as a lady, as a lady first. So number one, you're, 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 I said four things, actually there's three. You're a daughter of the king first. Number two, the king validates your value. If we run around, if you run around expecting a guy, your husband, I don't care how cool your husband is, how right, how perfect he is, he's not good enough to validate your value as a daughter of the king. That's God's job. Let him do it. And number three, let your identity in Christ inform your role as a daughter, a lady, and a wife. We're going to stop right there. Continue on next week. Do your best. Men and women, get here. This also helps us understand the household that we're trying to create. As ladies and gentlemen, daughters and sons of God. The household that we're trying to create, the children, the grandchildren, the nieces and nephews, the kids that we have influence in their lives. As a man, I wanna do my best to show my daughters the kind of man that they should marry, the kind of sons that they should raise. I want to show my sons there's at least some type of, of bar to hit as a man. My grandsons, to be able to have those, 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 those discussions of what it means to be a son of the living God. Amen. So Father, we give you the praise. And we give you the honor and the glory, Lord God, in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Give us courage, Lord God. Give us strength. It's all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.